Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. This episode was originally recorded as a weekly live in the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition group on Facebook. If you'd like to join these lives, watch past replays, or get any of the written summaries I do for these weekly, please head to the link in the show notes, drop me a comment, I'm happy to help you out. Now, let's get on with the episode. We are live. Today, let's talk a little bit about speed training. But before we get into it, I'd love to take a second to talk about the like nitpicking that happens sometimes when it comes to training and nutrition and all, all sorts of stuff in this space. I'll hear about people trying to dive like way too deep <laughs> into the details of training or form or what have you. Like first off, I'd like to say if something is not broke, please don't fix it. Like that is the biggest piece of advice I have for pretty much anybody. If you are happy with how you're doing and you're not really looking to improve anything, then leave it alone. It's pretty simple. That's that if you aren't happy with your results and you do want to improve, then you need to change something. Not only do you need to change something, you need to change and then commit to that change for at least a couple months, right? Like something is not going to make all the difference in the world in this like less than a week. It might if something is just egregiously wrong, but which can be the case. Like sometimes I'll look at hydration strategies and I see someone drinking a eight ounces of water every hour for the span of 10 hours, and that is very clearly the issue, right? We can fix that quickly. But if we're, especially if we're looking at training modalities, find something, figure out what we need to change, change it, and then create the adaptation over the course of weeks or months, right? And so we do not need to get super anal retentive about very nitpicky small things. I listen to just a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books and research articles and everything so I can be better at my job. It's a thing I really want to do. So I often hear people talk about things like arm swing while running. And if we can guess how many, how often I've heard that, we can just say it's a lot. I'll hear things like, like hip to nip or saw, don't chop. And this makes me, made me think for a long time that like arm swing was really important. And I learned a while ago, and I was just reminded recently, that the efficiency you lose if you literally tied your hands behind your back and went running is 3%. Three. If you tied your hands behind your back and went running, you'd only be at most 3% worse. And they also showed that if you do that and practice, you quickly get better at it. So while it might be a 3% drop at the beginning, it might even be less than that by the end of the race if you just practiced. So, of course, nobody wants to do that, and you shouldn't do that, but it's like it just doesn't matter that much, right? Like whether your arm swing is here, or you have a 90-degree bend in your arm, or an 88-degree bend, or a 92, nobody gives, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. We need to figure out something that we can actually target that's there. Now, if you're trying to win Boston, or if you're Eliud Kipchoge, of course this shit matters. Every little thing matters to him trying to like set the records he sets. But for most of us, 
It just doesn't matter. So, I mean, hell, Jackie Hunt Burisma just ran 102 marathons in 102 days, and she only has one leg, right? So if we are getting super nitpicky about things, then it might we might just need to do our training a little better. So let's talk about speed a little bit kind of on that note. Now, saying we shouldn't get nitpicky mean doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. You should be doing speed training. Whenever I think about this, I think of a quote from the great Chrissy Mel, and she said, like, just why would you give up another gear? And that's the first thing that comes to me, too. It is nice to be able to go fast when you need and or want to be able to, to go fast, right? If you're not doing speed training, you're leaving an entire other end of yourself on the table that could very easily help you, especially because it doesn't take that much time in proportion to other stuff, right? Now, what exactly your speed training should look like? This is where things get, can get a little tricky because it very depend, much depends on, let's call it two primary factors. We could dive it down even further, but two are the two are really, really care about. Two factors. One, how far out are you from your race? So if you are six months out from your race, we have more or less all the time in the world, right? And we can do whatever we want. We can build up all your deficiencies and try and get a little more out of your VO2 max and really target certain things about strength training. If you are two months out from your race, then we need to be a lot more conservative and precise about what we're going to do, right? And this is where we get into some speed training. So first, you look at like the different gears we have and you'll see, I'm going to use a discussion mostly about heart rate because it delivers the picture best, but we could also talk about um, effort level or whatever, right? So if we look at heart rate, You'll see everything from a three-zone model to, I think, over seven now. <laughs> They've narrowed down for some things. Like, three is plenty, really. Like, we might use five for certain things, but three is enough to convey what we're trying to convey. And if you're looking at our, our effort level and speed, right? So if our first zone of our heart rate is low and slow, and... This is what you'll often hear is like math training, which theoretically is 180 minus your age, plus a bunch of other stuff. It is also the point where if we're looking at lactate, fat crosses over to like two millimoles in the blood. This is also where more or less um, you stop being able to have a conversation. And that's what really matters if we're looking at effort level, right? And this is often how people should train especially in the mountains, because your heart rate's going to get a little weird. So if we're going to use effort level, if we're looking at zone one, you should be able to have a conversation. It is going to be a slightly strained conversation, and this is where that like zone one, old school zone two breakdown from his five zone model might matter. But basically, you should have a conversation that might sound a little winded. If you were having a conversation on the phone with somebody, your training in this low zone should be really easy to have that conversation on the phone, but they'll know you're exercising. That's kind of it. That's where that sits. That's what you'll hear called zone two training, whatever. This is your low endurance zone. Next, we have ne our next zone out of a three zone model. Zone two, this is what you'll often hear called a dead zone. 
you're producing a good amount of lactate here, you're pushing pretty hard, you're using a ton of glycogen, but theoretically, if you could completely control the heat in your muscles, could con constantly refuel yourself and just keep yourself at homeostasis through like IV or whatever, then maybe you could stay in this zone too for a very long time. Maybe forever, but definitely a very long time. Unfortunately, that's not how things work, right? Like we go through glycogen, even if we're trying to refuel, our muscles get really hot from the inside out, which is a big limiter, and we will eventually crap out in this zone too. And that is probably somewhere in the like one to two hour range, depending on how well-trained you are, right? This is what we'll often, in the upper end of this is what we'll often hear referred to as a lactate threshold or um, the second ventilatory threshold, which is like where we're gonna talk about next. So this next zone two, you could not really have a conversation, but you could speak in full sentences. You'd be strained, you wouldn't want to, but you can speak in full sentences. And then when we get to this final zone, you're going to struggle to say like more than two words at a time. And the old joke is that they might be four letters long, right? Like if we're look, working in zone three, it's gonna be really hard. And that is where we're going to do most of our speed training, right? This is where we're going to need to push to do a bunch of speed training, like right in this like upper zone two, bottom zone three level, right? So we look at effort, okay? And how hard you're pushing, we can figure out what you, what you need. If you're like maximum heart rate, the max you can push, the hardest you can go, the hardest effort you can push, it's like 190, okay? And then your uh, lactate threshold heart rate, which is theoretically the top of zone two, is like 180, this is not a very big gap. So what you probably need to do is some VO2 max training. We need to build your upper end. And Jason Koop talks about this a lot, and he actually runs into some science issues here, because when we tr take very well-trained athletes and studies, we often don't see their VO2 improve. But when we look at everyday elite, but like not professional ultra runners, we end up with people who often run low and slow for just long stretches of time. And they've got very, gotten very good at running low and slow for long stretches of time. As such, their aerobic base is incredible and their VO2 max is not very good. So we need to spend a little time building that. And if this is you, then this is what your speed training should look like. It should look like short intervals in the span of like three minutes, and then you'll rest three to five minutes, somewhere in there, and then you will rest for two to, two to five minutes, somewhere in there. And then you'll repeat that cycle until you've collected about 20 total minutes at these intervals, right? So I was just doing this. And realistically, it's anywhere from like 15 to 30 minutes of total time. You're gonna push for three minutes, you're gonna rest for three minutes, you're gonna push for three minutes, you're gonna rest for three minutes. And the big key here is the first one should feel unpleasant, and this is true for all interval training. The first one should feel unpleasant, but fine. The end of the last interval should feel pretty miserable because at the end of the day, you're stacking time in these spaces. The reason we do intervals is because you cannot push hard enough 
to go for 20 straight minutes at this effort output. So you're going to go for three, and then you're going to recover. Then you're going to go for three, and then you're going to recover. And you're trying to add up or stack time at this effort output. So if you need to do some VO2 max training, then you're going to go for three minutes really hard, like a nine or 10 out of 10. And your effort should be pretty consistent across the board, and then you're going to rest. And by rest, I mean like walk or slow run. And just to use mine of what I just did, um, over the past few weeks, one of those workouts was I got on a treadmill, I warmed up for 15 minutes, I ran at seven and a half miles per hour for three minutes and in 5% incline. And then I walked for four at four miles per hour at zero. And then I did that six times. And then I jogged for another like 10, 15 minutes as a cool down. The first one was fine. The last one was miserable. And I've actually seen a lot of results over the past three weeks, right? Now we're done with this phase. We're moving on. So if VO2 is not your thing, the next thing might be, this is where we're going to look at tempo intervals, right? And these are longer. They are a little less intense. Um, and they're going to target a lot more like that lactate space, right? So we know that you produce lactate, or you probably know that you produce lactate when you run or when you work really hard, right? It is a, it is a side effect. It has gotten a bad rap. It's actually really good fuel, right? So if you produce a bunch of lactate and you can use it, that's an extra fuel that your body can use. And you're looking to do intervals somewhere in the realm of like 10-ish minutes there. So whereas our VO2 intervals were real short, like two to five minutes, these intervals are gonna be more in the like 10 to 15 minute range. That's what we're looking for. And whereas your VO2 intervals were like a one-to-one -one work to rest ratio, your lactate intervals are gonna be like a two-to-one work to rest ratio. So you will run for a little bit to warm up, and then you will push hard for 10 minutes, and then you will rest for five, and then you'll push hard for 10 minutes and rest for five. And you're looking to collect like 30 to 60 minutes at that intensity effort, right? And it's kind of what, the, that is what those look like. And we can make these more fun. Like that's the other thing where if you're, if you enjoy doing this stuff, that's just on, off, on, off, I, I'm fine with it, it doesn't bother me, but for some people it can get boring. So we can make these a little more interesting. Um, you are not limited to targeting one of these things during a workout. So you could do a three minute interval and then a 10 minute interval, and then another three and another 10. It's gonna be hard to dial in the pacing, but it is an option you have. Or you could do a set of VO2s and then a set of tempo and like split your workout that way. The Roches from uh, Some Work All Play are famous for like mixing different adaptations in their workouts, and it's one of the reasons their training is so fun. So they will try to get you to adapt to a like intense hill workout for part of it, right? And then they will do some more tempo stuff for the last half. So they might have you do three-minute repeats up and down a hill, and then they might have you do this long effort at the end at a, at a tempo, right? And that is another option where we can kind of combine these things. But so far, we have VO2 intervals, we have lactate intervals, and then finally, Jason Coop call the, calls these steady state intervals. Um, 
I kind of think of them as like race-ish pace, right? Most people are not going to run their whole race at their pure endurance pace. If you can, lovely. Uh, but most of the time you're going to hit some hills, you're going to push a little harder, or you're just going to want to open your up your legs a little bit and push a little harder. And that is a, this is where we get in this metabolic dead zone, right? It is right at the bottom of zone two. And it's struggle, you will struggle to actually create any real physiological adaptations at this zone. But you will get better at running in this zone because it's a skill. And it's fun. Like, that's the other thing. This is where things feel good. If you're looking at a five-zone model, this is zone three. If you're looking at this two-zone model, it's like the bottom, or three-zone model, it's the bottom of zone two. But if you went out and I told you to go run for an hour or two, this is probably where you'd be if you had no training. You'd just go send it. And it's fun. <laughs> and it's nice to be there. And it doesn't matter that it doesn't create physiologic, too many adaptations. It's nice to do. And this is actually what I have a lot of people do on the weekend, right? I will do a few workouts in the week, some of them slow, some of them fast, usually a directed speed interval, and then your weekend run. I will program for it to go be fun because if you're going to go do some shit for four, three, four hours on a weekend, I think it should be enjoyable. And plodding along at a really slow pace has value to it, but doing that for four hours can get a little tedious. So if we push a little harder and like come in and out of that a little bit, so workouts will often be like three hours, push harder for like an hour long section in between, really push on the downhills so we can get used to running on the downhills, practice hydration and nutrition. That is often what my workouts will look like for something like a Saturday long run. And that push harder for an hour in the middle is going to end up being that steady state spot because you're already a little tired and then you're going to push a little harder like you might during a race and you're going to come out of it. You might practice pushing a little harder on the downhills, right? And that technically is speed training because it's not your, really your endurance pace. It's not all that helpful speed training, but it is speed training, right? So this is things we could do. Now, one more thing that I certainly view as speed training some people don't. Strides. Strides are, most of you know what strides are, but strides, for those who don't know, are running for, you'll be running your nice easy pace, and then you will start to accelerate for five to 10 seconds. You will hold that top end for like 10 to 15 seconds, and then you'll decelerate for like five to 10 seconds. Your top end speed will be very fast, but it'll be very in control, and it's not meant to tire you out. You should finish all of your strides feeling good, like your legs got to open up, like you finally got to let loose. That's the goal from strides. So if we look at our options for speed training, there are really short, more sprinty intervals, right? Think Usain Boulder, an actual sprinter. And main adaptation here is not as much cardio as it is muscular and explosivity. And that's, we can get that from strides pretty well, especially relevant to ultra runners. Then our next speed area is going to be trying to adapt some level of VO2, also some level of explosive training. These will be two to five minutes on, two to five minutes off, and you're trying to collect somewhere in the realm of 15 to 30 minutes total. And they should be very difficult. 
and you should only do them for a few weeks or take a long batch in between. This is not a thing you want to do day in and day out because it's just going to burn you out. I mostly cut strength training during VO2 building. It's just a thing that is very exhausting to your body. Next thing is lactate intervals or tempo runs or whatever you want to call them. And these are going to be more in the realm of like 10 to 15 minute intervals. You're pushing hard. You're trying to collect like 30 to 60 minute total. And you should rest about half the amount of time that you pushed. And you're really trying to get your body to learn to use lactate better. You're going to make plenty of it when you're running. And then you're trying to use it better. And then these steady state intervals is what Coop calls them, but they're, they're a bunch of things. Basically fun run, go run and have fun. And I like to do this on the weekend, but you're pushing a little harder than you would for endurance. You will eventually burn out here, but it would take a long time. And that's really what we need for speed training as an ultra runner. And you can phase these in and out. You can do them for like directed pieces. You should do this to some degree throughout your year. There, might, there will be periods where you do more speed training. There will be periods where you do less speed training. At the very least, I think some strides every week are a good idea just to keep the like, neuromuscular connection from your brain to your legs. I used to be a lot quicker. I'm getting it back, but trying to build my endurance for so long without doing any strides, I actually lost a lot of speed. And most of it's back. It comes back pretty quickly if you had it. I just shouldn't have lost it in the first place. That would have been way easier. We just have some little, a little bit of explosivity here. Now, if you want some examples of workouts, like one, you could buy Jason Coop's book. Chrissy Mel has some of these. She likes ladders a good amount, so she'll do like one minute on, one minute off, two minutes on, two minutes off, three minutes on, three minutes off. And she'll ladder those up and down. There, And then if you want some weirder workouts, you could always listen to the Some Work All Play podcast. Their episode 28 actually has six of their favorites. And some of these are diagonals where you do them on a soccer field and run or jog the tops and then run the diagonals really hard. That's going to be much more like a like sprint and or stride workout, right? And then they have other options in there as well. So these are places to follow up. I'll pop those in the show notes, but in short, do some speed training, do it weekly, even if it's just strides, depending on how far away you are from your race, you'll want to target something different. So if you're really far away, target VO2 max stuff. If you're really close, then you're going to be pretty much stuck in steady state. You might get a couple lactate and then do it a little bit consistently throughout the year. And don't over leverage yourself. If you're pushing harder into speed training, probably drop your strength and drop your like, super long runs a little bit. And then timing them throughout your week. Give yourself enough time to recover. Speed work is, it's a workout. It's a big deal. And so is your long run. So don't do your speed work on a Friday and then your long run on a Saturday. Do your speed work on like a Wednesday. There's a reason workout Wednesday became a thing. Do your speed work on a Wednesday and then your long run on a Saturday. And that way we'll give enough time to recover for both so that you can actually get more out of your training. If you back them on each other, you're more likely to get injured. You're also just likely to half-ass one of them. Right? Like that's, that's a big thing as well. If you cannot push into one of those things because you're really tired, 
you're not going to get the adaptation you're trying to get. So if you have any questions, let me know. Pop them in. I'm happy to talk about the stuff with you. I know it's a little vague. Part of that is because I don't know what you need in your training. Everybody in here is really different with where they are in their cycle. Coaching um, over 10 athletes right now, and all of, all of them are in a slightly different spot based on where their race is. So if you have any specific questions, I'm happy to help you out. Shoot me a message. I'd love to chat. And otherwise, I will be back next week with another one of these. Hope you have a great rest of your week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.